Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Doug McKinley. I'm the lead pastor here at First Covenant. I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us online for worship today. It's a beautiful day the Lord has given us, and I do hope that you're able to get outside and enjoy God's creation at some point uh, this afternoon or, or later today. Uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, we kicked off a new sermon series entitled Life on Purpose. And the question we're asking behind the, the, the sermon series is, what does it look like to live a life of purpose and, and on purpose? How can we be intentional in our, in our lives regarding our use of, of time, our resources, our priorities, our values, uh, our attitudes, our relationships? What does it look like to live a life of purpose and on purpose? We began by looking at... Um, the, 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 the concept in the scriptures that we are, the truth in scriptures that we are created in God's image. And part of what it means to be created in God's image is that we are created for relationships, for connections, close, intimate, life-giving, transparent uh, connections with, with God, our creator, and also with other human beings. It's something we have a, a natural yearning for connection. We're actually, I'm sure you feel that tension, that yearning for connection in the midst of, of, the, of, the, of the pandemic. We're, we're separated from people we would love to see normally. We'd be around them. But right now we have this yearning. We can't be with them yet. And so part of what it means to be uh, creating God's enemies is, is, a, is a desire and a need for connection. Uh, last week we looked at a passage, a very challenging passage out of the gospel according to Mark in chapter 10, where Jesus is walking with the disciples and the disciples begin to argue over who is the most important, who should, they're vying, they're jockeying for position in Jesus' kingdom. And, and, and Jesus, um, Jesus tells them very clearly, very, very clearly that they are not to do that. To, to be countercultural in how they in how they use their lives, that they are to live lives of purpose on purpose by by seeking to do exactly what Jesus Christ came to do for us. Jesus said He did this. He came for this reason. Jesus said, "I've not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for for many." In other words, we are supposed to we are challenged to pour out our lives and to seek to serve others and not ourselves to be served. So today we're, we're coming to, uh, we're continuing the sermon series, and we're coming to the question of what kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? Because really, a, a legacy, uh, if we're to live a life of purpose, uh, then, then, then we should begin with the end, right? You, you look at the end. What kind of legacy do I want to leave behind? And then you, you, you order your life in such a way that you reach that end, that you, you leave behind the legacy that you want to leave that God wants you to leave and not just kind of drift along uh, through life. So what, what does it mean? Uh, what kind of legacy are we to leave behind? There's a story about two brothers who, who left behind quite a legacy. They lived in a small town, and um, they, were, they were pretty rough around the edges. They, they terrorized the town for decades. They were unfaithful to their wives. They were abusive to their children. They were dishonest in business. And then suddenly, unexpectedly, the younger brother died. Uh, the, the older brother went to the, the local pastor to, of the church in town, and he said, I want you to con- conduct my brother's funeral service. But it's important to me that, that during, the, during the service, during your eulogy, your, your, your message, that you say that my brother was a saint. But he was far from that, the minister countered. Everybody will know that it's not true. The, the wealthy older brother pulled out his checkbook. Pastor, I'm prepared to give $100,000 to your church. All I'm asking is that you publicly state that my brother was a saint. 
On the day of the funeral, the pastor began his, his message this way. Everyone here knows that the deceased was a wicked man, a womanizer, and a drunk. He terrorized his employees, and he cheated on his taxes. And then he paused. But as evil and sinful as this man was, compared to his older brother, he was a saint. Quite a legacy. <laughs> One brother was bad and the other was worse. Unfortunately, that's how many people tend to think about their legacies. Not in terms of a bad or worse, like those two brothers, but in terms of comparison. How does my, my life, my legacy stack up with the people around me? With my, with my brother or my sister or with my parents? How does my legacy stack up with my neighbors or the average person? But our goal for the legacy we leave behind should not be, I want to be known as better than average. There must be more to leaving a legacy than that. So we need to begin with the end in mind. So today we're going to be taking a look at um, Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, the first chapter. Um, and, and let's set the context here. The city of Thessalonica is currently found in present-day Greece. But back in Paul's day, the city was about 200,000 people, and it was situated on a major international highway in the Roman Empire. So it was a very busy, cosmopolitan city. And Paul and Silas and Timothy, Silas was one of Paul's colleagues. He would travel with him on missionary journeys. And Timothy was a young man who Paul was mentoring for ministry. The three of them, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, has spent some time in Thessalonica uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, telling people about Jesus Christ. And several people responded to that and chose to follow Jesus, and a church was established. But because of the conversions of some of their fellow townspeople and, and a church being started, some, some, some people in the town did not like this very much, and so they ran Paul, Silas, and Timothy out of town. And Paul was very concerned about this young, still developing church and the young believers there. He was concerned they may not uh, survive in a hostile environment. And, and he wants to return, but he can stop several times. So he chooses, he comes, he resorts to writing them a letter. And he writes them a letter to encourage them and to answer some questions they have. And his underlying concern here is what kind of legacy are, in life are you leading? Are you leading intentional lives of purpose, on purpose for Jesus Christ? Let's take a look and, and let's take a listen to First Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. They tell how you, return, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Jesus writes this letter, first and foremost, because he wants to encourage these new believers, this, this fledgling church, to, to continue doing the good work that they've already begun. He wants desperately for his, his spiritual children 
to, to grow and become people who love Jesus, who are humble, who love the truth, who stand for what's right, who uh, are kind and gentle, full of peace and joy, who are honest and pure, who above all else are faithful to Jesus Christ. And in these, these, these first few verses of his letter, Paul tells them that they're, in fact, on the right path. That they're living the kind of life that they are to live. But then he, and he, and he encourages them to continue to do that. Now, we're going to use the word legacy, L-E-G-A-C-Y, uh, as a sort of acrostic today and pull out six different aspects of a God-honoring legacy. And I'm going to jump around a little bit. Uh, it's not, I'm not going to work my way through it, L-E-G-A-C-Y. It's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to pull different letters out because it, it probably fits and happens more naturally that way in a person's life as they follow Christ. So let's start with the, the letter C. This stands for confidence in Jesus, faith in Jesus Christ. That is to be our foundation if we want to leave behind a legacy uh, that honors God. A life of purpose. Verse 2 says, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. And, and what is faith? It's confidence in God, right? In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's that type of confidence, that type of faith, that certainty that's the beginning of building and leaving behind a God-pleasing legacy. But it's to be more than just a, an attitude or, you know, a state of mind. The phrase we stopped at in verse 3 says, Your work produced by faith. The things we do, the actions, the priorities, the values of our life produced by faith, trust, and confidence in Jesus Christ. Now, all of us, all of us would like to think that the things we do, the things we accomplish in life, make a difference. We all want to leave our impact we don't want to just kind of spin our wheels and, 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 and have everything be for naught. Uh, there are a lot, but there are a lot of good deeds, many great things that are done in this world that don't seem to have much of a lasting uh, effect. And the Bible tells us that the only work that will last and that will leave a lasting legacy is the work that is done, that is produced by faith in Jesus Christ, by confidence in Christ. Um, if you've got your Bibles handy, I encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If not, you can follow along on the screen. I want to read from a different passage. This, again, is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Corinth this time. And he, he, he addresses the permanency of the work that we do in our lives. Verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. <coughs> it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though, as, even though only as one escaping through the flames. If we want life's, our life's accomplishments to last, we would be wise to build on the foundation of a personal relationship, a confidence in Jesus Christ. Because only work done by faith, produced by faith, from a place of faith, will stand. So, the first 
part of legacy is to leave a legacy of faith, of confidence in Jesus Christ. We're going to jump to the letter L now in legacy. Now, as, as a parent, I learned a lot about human nature uh, as I raised my three children. Uh, and I learned a lot about human nature by watching my three children, especially when they were younger. And when they were young, sometimes I could get them to do things that seemed to be contrary to their, their desires or their human nature. And I noticed I said sometimes. Uh, but with a little bit of motivation, they, they might pick up their toys. They might share with their siblings. They might even try a vegetable that they'd never tried before. And I would feel a little bit of satisfaction, like, hey, I'm succeeding as a parent when they would comply with my wishes. But nothing warmed my heart more than without being asked, without being told or, or threatened with consequences, they would do something for me. It was the same result, but a much, much different motive and a much, much different feeling. The letter L stands for loving labor. And nothing warms God's heart more that when his children do something for him solely out of love, love for him and love for others. Paul affirms this in, in to the Thessalonians in verse three, when he speaks of their labor prompted by love, produced by love. I mean, think about this. Uh, if, if you're if you're, you're married and, and your spouse does something for you, you've asked him or her to, to do it and it's been put off, it's been put off. And and doesn't it make a world of difference if they do it? And it's motivated by love rather than guilt or obligation. Apply it to your relationship with your kids if you have children. Don't you think your kids know if you're playing catch with them because they're pestering you or because you, you actually want to? What sort of labor do you think most pleases God? A, a, a labor done with an I'm supposed to do this attitude or labor done with an I'm so grateful, God. I, I thank you for your blessings. I love you attitude. There's a famous passage about love, First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. It, you've heard it read at weddings, I'm sure. It's called the love chapter. It describes love with, with beautiful, flowery language. But it also tells us that if we do great things, and if we have fantastic abilities, and we achieve much in this life, but we don't have love, we really, we really have nothing. Love is to be our motivation in, in leaving a legacy. Now, make no mistake about it. This does not mean that we only do things when we feel like it. Love is not primarily an emotion, although the powerful emotions of love are, are a wonderful experience. Love is first and foremost a commitment expressed through action on behalf of God and on behalf of others. So leave a legacy of love, of labor prompted by, by love. Next, let's take a look at the letter E. There's a, there's a movie uh, recorded maybe 12, 15 years ago called Jacob the Liar. And the primary star is Robin Williams. Uh, the story is set in a Jewish ghetto in Nazi-occupied Poland. And Nazi trains have taken most of the Jews to concentration camps. Uh, those who are left behind are weak, uh, they're hungry, starving, depressed, they're sick, they're ill, they're really old or really young. Families have been shattered, loved ones have been murdered, suicides are, are commonplace. It's not a place with a lot of hope. And through a strange twist of events, while standing in a German army office, Jacob, the, 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 the main guy, <laughs> played by Robin Williams, he hears a radio report that the, the Russian forces are, are pushing back 
the German forces and entering into Poland. And he shares this news with, a, with a, news with a friend of his who's about to attack a German guard in what basically is a suicide mission. And the news begins to spread like wildfire. And people begin to assume that Jacob has a radio. How else would he have heard this? And they begin to press him for more details. And he sees the difference that the good news makes. And so he begins to fabricate. He begins to make up lies and rumors about Russian advances and victories and German defeats and setbacks. And the optimism, the hope in the ghetto, it begins to grow. It's, it's palpable. A man can, proposes to his girlfriend. Men begin to talk of resistance and the run of suicide stops. And Jacob says to himself, as he justifies the rumors and the lies he is spreading, sometimes it's better to be hungry for hope than hungry for food. The letter E stands for enduring hope in Jesus. Look at verse 3 again. Paul affirms the Thessalonians for the life they're leading, for the legacy they're building, by saying they have an endurance inspired by hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, 1 says that we are to run with perseverance the race set before us. 1 Peter 1, 13 tells us to set our hope fully on the grace to be given us when Jesus Christ is revealed, when Jesus Christ returns. Hope. We can hope that our businesses will flourish when this is all over. We can hope that our children will grow up to be upstanding and outstanding citizens, kind of the all-American dream. We can hope that we're going to live a long and, and healthy life. All good things to hope for. But none of them are a sure thing. There will be times in our lives when we, are, where we desperately need hope, when we have a deep hunger for hope, and, and hope will be the only thing that will sustain us. And the only sure hope that we have is in the person of Jesus Christ. It's to be our inspiration to to continue to pursue, as Eugene Peterson wrote, a long obedience in the same direction. So leave a legacy of enduring hope in Jesus Christ. Now we come to the G in legacy. William Woodfin said this, The proof of Christianity is not a book, but a life. The power of Christianity is not a creed, but a Christian character. And wherever you see life that has been transformed by the grace of God, you see a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew 5, the passage that was read earlier, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before all, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. The G in legacy stands for genuine transformation. Look again at verses 6 through 9. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And so he became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The believers in Thessalonica had been transformed by Jesus. Their lives were noticeably, radically different than the lives before Jesus Christ. And people were talking about it. They had noticed, not just in their little corner of the world, but all over the known world. You know, there's no better witness than a changed life. There's no better legacy to leave behind than that of a life that's been genuinely transformed by the power and the person and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. 
to follow Jesus, to live in such a way that others notice the difference. That is a tremendous legacy to leave behind. Unfortunately, far too often, Christian lives contradict rather than verify that they have been changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. And where sometimes we Christians can sometimes fall short is that that we can profess faith in Jesus Christ and then our lives and then live our lives as if nothing really has happened. In a sense, uh, practically speaking, almost an atheist. If we want to be genuinely transformed, we have to surrender to God and choose to follow him, to imitate him. We are to leave behind a legacy of a genuinely transformed life. The next letter we're looking at is the letter A. Pop singer Madonna said once that she had spent half of her childhood waiting for the two most prominent male figures in her life to return, her dad and Jesus Christ. And when she finally realized that they were, and then she says she got tired of waiting and realized that neither one of them was going to come back. Contrast that attitude with that of Queen Elizabeth I of England. She said, I wish I could be alive when Christ returns because I would like to be the first earthly monarch to take my crown and lay it at his feet. The letter A in legacy stands for anticipation or assurance of Christ's return. We are to live our lives in anticipation of Christ's return. It's not a possibility. It's not a mere plausibility. Jesus is returning and we are to structure our lives Accordingly, we don't know how much time we have left. We don't know when he will return, but we must treasure the time we do have and look longingly and confidently for his return. Now, this was a major emphasis of the church in Thessalonians, of the Thessalonian church. We see that as you read through the rest of the first letter and the second letter, you can see that it was a major emphasis for the people in the Thessalonian church. What does this have to do with leaving a legacy? We are defined and remembered by what we base our lives upon and what we yearn for. They were so certain that Christ would do as he said he would, that he would return and raise his people up, so so confident in the resurrection of the body from the dead. They, they were markedly different. And they didn't have to hold on to the things of this world so tightly. And they knew that all this would pass when Christ came back. They focus more on the eternal than the temporary. Now we come to the sixth and last letter in legacy, and that's the letter Y. And Y stands simply for your joy. Look at verse six again. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with a joy given by the Holy Spirit. This is to be joy is to be the trademark of a Christian. We're to be known not only by our love for each other, and for the Lord and for people, but by our joy. If we have the greatest news of Jesus Christ, then we should of all people be marked by extraordinary joy, dependent, uh, independent of our circumstances. In my library, I have a classic book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's an, it's an incredible compilation of stories of the martyrs of the early church. And in account after account, the martyrs show incredible peace and joy in the midst of terrible circumstances. These Christians, early Christians, knew that true joy is not found in circumstances, but only in Jesus Christ. And because they exhibited joy, 
Even in the face of death, many people came to faith. You know, when saints are chosen, one of the criteria for beatification is that the person must have been a person who was known and marked by, by extraordinary joy. It's the capstone of a God-pleasing legacy. True joy, regardless of what is going on in your life. And that kind of joy is not something that we can just manufacture and conjure up. It comes only as a work of the Holy Spirit, as we yield ourselves to Christ daily, as we are consistently building a life of purpose on purpose. So we circle back to the question we began with. What kind of legacy will you leave behind? And of course, your legacy and my legacy will ultimately be judged by God. But perhaps a, a good question to gauge our progress towards leaving behind a legacy that honors God, to gauge our, our progress in leaving life, live, living a life of purpose on purpose, is to ask this question of ourselves. If the health of the church's witness in Salina depended upon you and the legacy that you are building, that you leave behind upon the life that you're living, if the health of the church's witness in Salina depended upon you, and your life. Would the church's witness thrive or would it struggle? We have one chance at this life. We have a single opportunity to build something that will last for eternity. We will leave one legacy. At the end of our lives, all our accomplishments and failures and experiences and relationships will be accumulated and that will be our legacy. What will it be? My hope and prayer is that will be a legacy that's of labor prompted by love, of endurance inspired by hope, of genuine transformation, of assurance of Christ's return, of confidence in Christ, and one marked by your joy in all circumstances as you follow Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your love for us. And we thank you for the example that Jesus set for us when he walked this earth Lord, we pray that we would be people who are intentional about the lives that we live and the legacies that we are building, that we would begin with the end, and that our lives would be marked by these characteristics, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your love for us. We pray that in us and through us um, that people would be pointed to you and that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.